When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up with a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, AJ, Megan, and Jesse, the four of us coming at you live as, uh, well... Lots of trade talk that we want to get into today. I know we've been talking a lot about free agency and had this overlooming kind of conversation where it's like, really, the Avs could just not go through free agency to solve their problems and make a trade. So I do want to get into that. However, some actual news, both for the Avs and around the league, before we uh, get into that. Starting with the Avs, Anton Bleed signed, played for Boston last year, has bounced around the league as kind of a depth guy for a little bit of a while now basically took our whole show about abs forward depth and potentially giving opportunities to some prospects and tossed it in the garbage because it seems like he's now going to probably be one of those depth options on the forward side i think that's probably a fair comparison just looking at what he's done in the span of his career so far he's the fringy ahl nhl type he even we talked about role players yesterday the role that he plays is what I think they would hope Sampo Ranta to fill one day, but maybe that's a role in the Eagles lineup that needs to be filled so greatly, kind of a gritty, more defensively minded winger with PK specialties. And I think that's a role that he's going to fill for the Eagles, which now has a lot of questions surrounding a player like Sampo Ranta, who you hoped would get more opportunity with the Eagles to fill that kind of role next season. It's a little in jeopardy with this signing, but it also bolsters the Eagles forward group in a necessary way. Okay, fair enough. Uh, actually, go ahead. Just looking at his underlying numbers uh, throughout his brief, it's like it's like it's like a lot of small sample sizes, yeah. uh, except for this last year where he got thirty-two of his seventy NHL games in. Uh, his underlying numbers are real bad, so not very productive. He's hovering at like point three three points per game through the last several seasons. Yeah, not uh, not not much of a not much of a point producer, even at the AHL level, which he hasn't yeah. played a ton of recently. But back when he was playing a lot, it's just not a ton of production there. Uh, he topped he topped out at twenty six points in the AHL. Like it's, it's just it's, it, it, honestly, it's kind of like why, but you know. The last time I felt this way about an August signing, you know, that guy rolled in and ruled. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? Indeed. <laughs> you never want to discount the abs. Give them some credit for, for some of the moves that they make. So, yeah. We'll be curious to see the actual usage there. Given it's a guy 
with some NHL history. I guess let me put it this way. One, do you expect him to start the season on the Eagles roster? And two, do you think this is a guy that the Avs can get through waivers? Yeah. Yes to yes both. To both questions. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just checking. Yes. Starting on these shows. All right. Well, that solves that. Megan pretty much nailed that in that case then with the uh, more of a defensive-minded player for the Eagles side of things with some decent potential of a, a gritty bottom six forward to play some games for the Fs. Uh Moving on to some of the other news, as we did have some relatively big signings in the NHL. Granted, they were all internal extensions, really, more than anything. Uh, let's start with the Mangiapane one because it's a little bit further away from the, the trade conversations we want to get into. Uh, the Flames extending Andrew Mangiapane three years, $5.8 million deal. Um, it's an interesting one for a couple of reasons. It buys two UFA years, but only two. Uh, and then I had this conversation on Twitter. I kind of threw it out there comparing Mangiapane and Val Nichushkin. I think they're, they are very similar players in impacts. I understand the way they do what they do is a little bit different. But I'm curious where you guys kind of fall on Mangiapane in general and, and maybe a comparison to someone like a Val Nichushkin. AJ always makes this little face, and I, I always think he's about to say something, then he just sits there grinning the for five same, minutes. So I could start. I could start. I probably, you know, I'm not a Mangiapane stand from last season, so I probably can't speak to his body of work as well as I could Val's, but this seems like a great contract for Calgary because of the impact he has as a player. He's a really versatile forward. He's very productive and he had good possession numbers last season. So there are ways in which his game is similar and could be compared to Val, obviously coming in at a much more affordable price for Calgary. Um, but to talk about Val's value to the Avs, we've talked about it a lot too. We know it's a stylistic fit. He wins the Stanley Cup with this team. We can justify the Stanley Cup price tag alongside Val, but there's a perfect argument to be made in the value of each of these players um, being a lot more similar than maybe people are saying. True. Yeah. It's always been, Mangiapane has always been an interesting one for me because I feel like for several years now, there's been this conversation of is Calgary going to move on from Andrew Mangiapane? It's just not working. Are they going to trade him? Do they let him walk? I, I think I remember a couple of years ago, they didn't know if they were going to qualify him. And I always thought it was really weird because every summer you got these conversations and then every season he was very effective in his role. Um, and so I've always just thought it was a really interesting relationship. Um, I mean, while he comes in significantly under Val, big time raise for him. I mean, I believe more than doubles what he was making. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, good for him. I, I, I like it. I think, and I'm not saying this is enough to make up. Well, I mean, it's only a few hundred thousand, right? It's what three hundred thousand difference between him and Val. Yeah, a little, little bit more than three hundred k. To to me, like I I look at that and I say one. You, yeah, you pay the cup tax in two. Val's what, 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, Andrew Mangiapane's 5'10". 
on the flip Small. side there, Mangiapane did score 35 goals last year to Val's 25. So, look, for forever in this league, goal scoring has paid. It's just reality. Um, but you're you're right. The size difference is certainly significant. Val's playoff performance, also a, another thing of note where he did out outproduce Mangiapane in the playoffs. Granted, Mangiapane didn't play nearly as much playoffs, but... And like the 35 goals, like that's a pretty, that's a pretty big jump from him over his previous career high. Um, good. I mean, good year to have it. Good year to have your best year in goal scoring. Part of that is why I thought the conversation between specifically these two was so interesting because both of them had a significant jump in their offense this year. They're both in their primes, two guys that, I think both probably have at least a little bit of a question of how sustainable is this? How much do you believe in it? Uh, from what I've heard, obviously the Avs fan base are, are currently huge believers in Val Nichushkin. I don't think he gives them any reason to doubt that. But I, I was just a little bit curious on on how the two compared. Um, and at, at the price point that they're at, you know, we talked a lot about the Avs paying the cup tax to numerous players this year. But at the same time, Mangiapane could have put himself in a place to earn quite a bit more money three years down the line. Yeah, I, that's where I, I the three year thing I thought was really interesting because that basically gets him across the finish line of the expected big cap jump that will take place the next few years, where he'll be twenty nine years old and he'll get to go do this again. And if he if he shows that he really is, uh if he shows that he really is that guy, um, he's going to get a huge deal and he comes out a massive financial winner in that situation over Val. Um, not that it's not that they were like competing against each other, but um, certainly, you know, with all the other things that Calgary's trying to do them, them getting him on for, for three years at that price is great. That's fine. But, I do think that it's um I think it's I think it's pretty interesting that the Avs fans are now obviously you're not going to be upset about or you're not going to not prefer the guy that just helped you win a Stanley Cup but Mangiapane's pretty good. I I do <laughs> think the burgundy colored glasses are on a little bit with Val. Not a ton. I think yeah. he's a very good player, especially the first four or five years of that deal. We'll see about the, the last couple of years, I think. But I don't think he has a significantly better impact on the ice than someone like Amon Giapane does. Yeah, I, they're both... Uh, they both have elite defensive impacts, and mm-hmm. uh, they both drive the crap out of play. But one guy scores a lot of goals. Yep. And and to be clear, while it was a big jump in production for Mangiapane, he actually had a higher shooting percentage the year before than he did in this more year. minutes the year yep. before. So, uh, so it's it's not uh, some of this is okay. How much uh, how much is this the scoring environment that exploded league wide last year? Sure, right. uh, that's a question for a lot of guys it, right now. It's a it's a question for Val. Yep. Yeah, Naz too. Another reason why I think he's still possibly sitting out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this uh, 
the the, the comments in chat about uh, a slow second half uh, for Mangiopani. He did have the one bad stretch, but uh, it actually isn't um, that slow. Well, so and I guess maybe yeah. that's. It's what, it's what, not what? it's it's not that bad. You have you have twenty goals before the the All Star break and fifteen after. You're fine. Um, so, it's fine. Rudo, when you say the burgundy tinted glasses are on, in what respects? I think, especially given the time that Val got with the top line, and he did play well there. Again, I. I think Val is a very, very good player. I don't want to take anything away from oh, no, Val's no, ability. I don't think you are, yeah. But you look at his actual production, and you look at his on-the-ice impacts, and while I think he's a very good player, he is not someone you would define as a first-liner on almost every team in the league. So... Yeah. I just I think right now the Avs fan base is overrating Val a little bit, especially when you compare him to other teams' players that are similar in value to Val Nichushkin. Yeah, and, and and I guess so. Where I was going that was because again, just looking at these two contracts, yeah. What what is the actual difference here? I'm trying to do math really quickly on the fly. I believe it's three hundred and twenty-five k. Yeah, yeah, three twenty-five. So like, look again. I you step back. There's absolutely a little bit of a bump in there because of the playoff run. Just facts. And that I think is maybe where you're where you're spot on, Rudo, of like, are we maybe inflating the body of work a little bit because it was really, really good the last four weeks of the season? Probably. Like when I step back and look at these, again, we mentioned the size earlier. They have similar, similar, you know, on ice impacts. But then what Adrian just said there kind of triggered a thought for me about the the scoring. Cause like you're hundred percent right. It's, it's a question for Val, but I think that's maybe where if you're the abs, you know, fans, fans are always going to feel like their players are the best. If you're the abs, I think you maybe feel a little bit more confident though in, okay, even if we lose a little bit of this production, Val just, he's, and this goes back now a couple seasons where it's just his, his overall game, his 200 foot game is something that fits the Av style so well. And it's something they haven't really had in so long that again, you know, maybe size playoff run and then just, Hey, look, even if we don't quite get this exact same finish out of this guy every year, what he brings, we have nobody else that does. Yeah. It, to, it to can't further... be that much of a drop though. It he needs to be, I would say. Oh, at no, no, no. Oh, I'm not saying, I'm not saying 45. Can, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying the scoring can fall off, but like just when you look around the league, because you're 100% right, AJ. Like, there's teams all over the place, Val being one of I mean, there's guys all over the place, ah, guys all over the place who are wondering, was this production a product of the increased scoring? I guess what I'm saying is cool if you take out a little bit of that inflated margin for Val, yeah, maybe it takes him from 25 to 20 you are still very happy with that because of what he provides the 200 feet, the whole 200 feet of the ice. It's 6.1. You are correct. That production can't drop off mightily. Well, it, just to play the, the flip side of that argument, AJ talked about it with Manji Apane. Look, if his production keeps up, that dude could be making 7 million because of the cap increases in three years. And if the cap does increase in that way, <clears throat> excuse me, 
uh, an extra 300K you do not care about in three years right. if the cap goes up 10 million or whatever. Right. So it's a good point. That is fine. Again, I do wonder about those later years with Val. It's always an interesting conversation of <laughs> does your seven and eight kind of help lower the cost of the guy or are you are you paying for some dead years there? We'll see. Not there yet. Obviously can't predict the future, but like, let's be real here. We're all fine with it right now. It's all good. Whatever. Right. Um, we understand that the next five years is kind of the focus of win another championship, maybe two, and turn yourselves into uh, a defining team of a generation. But the abs are the, and we have not talked a lot about this overall, but the abs are absolutely all in on this group defying aging curves in a pretty big way because uh, they are committed to Landis Cog, uh, who's 29 years old uh, and has seven more years left on his deal. Um, Nachushkin is 27 and has uh, eight years on his deal. Lekkanen is 27 and has five years on his deal. So that right there, that's three guys. And then you get uh, Nathan McKinnon will turn 27 before the start of next season. And you hope with an extension in place uh, that that will be running seven or eight more years as well. You're talking about that. They're, they're like forward core there outside of Rantanen, whose deal expires, I believe when he's 28. 29? 28 or 29. Yeah, I forget which, but... Yeah, 20, uh, 28. Um, all these guys, like, the Avs, are, the Avs are committed to these guys well into their 30s. The, I mean, the only guy the only guy that they're, like, they've sort of hedged a little bit is also the guy with the, with the worst track record and uh, the lowest, so far anyway, in his career, the lowest profile in Lekkanen. Yep. Who they're only committed till he's 32. These other guys, though, I mean, you're talking about 34, 35, 36 years old. They're they're locked into these guys for a long time. They need these cats to age really gracefully. I I think a perfect example of the way this goes bad is the abs themselves. Look at the post 2001 Colorado Avalanche. They put together some great teams, but couldn't get over the hump. And then through the mid-2000s, kind of got stuck in this middle area where they had a bunch of guys that were aging out but couldn't really rebuild because of that and couldn't really commit to anything because the level of play began to fall off on a number of those guys. And it happens to teams all over the place where they get stuck in the middle. And and look, uh, some of this is the... Jose Sharks yeah. are a great example of right. this today. And, and ultimately... Some of that happens to an extent no matter what when you're a championship caliber team and we're less than two months removed from them winning the cup. So I'm not going to knock it at all at this point. Yeah. And like I said, we don't care about this at all. It's right. the next five years that we're talking about. And however those guys age, you know, we, 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 we talked about with Landis you know, he's, he signed an eight year deal and it was like, okay, well, how's he going to age into it? Well, they want to stay in the cup in year one. We don't fucking care. <laughs> you just don't. You just right. like we're we're just sitting here at this point where 
the next couple of years, it's going to be what it's going to be. But in 2028, when Landis Cog is at the end of his deal, we're just not that concerned about that right now. We just, well, and, and it's fine. Two, two things. And this, this may be a little bit burgundy tinted, but like, you do hope Nathan McKinnon's a little bit different because he is so much like speed, skill, power. But like those other three guys that, that you listed, and, and again, maybe the hope is we're okay with committing to these guys into their 30s because these are high hockey IQ guys. We think their types of games can age well, especially a guy like Landeskog. Like you look at Joe Pavelski, I think that's, you know, can, can you get some guy, a guy who's smart, goes to the net, good leader, et cetera, et cetera. And then two, I just fully agree with what you said. Like you had, you said that a few months ago. I mean, it may have even been near the beginning of the season and I laughed. And then like the rest of the show was all I could think about. And you were hundred percent right. like the cap doesn't fucking matter. Like it just like it does from season to season. You have to be under it. But, like they're the it's NHL. Not real. It's not real time and time and time and time again. You can get out of any bad contract, and most teams come out ahead. It's crazy. Most teams, like, in an effort to get a bad contract, everyone's like, oh, man, they're so screwed. And two months later, you're like, whoa, how'd they get better? Like, I don't get how they came out on top in this. Even if you can't get out of a contract, you can have someone have bone surgery. It's fine. (laughs) You get to a point where a contract isn't aging well. There's a thousand ways to get out of it. Who cares? The really the only team that we've seen truly, truly back themselves into a corner in which you're like, you're completely screwed is Vegas. Yeah. Like Vegas has mismanaged their assets so badly in the last few years. This running list of deals that they have lost because they're just they're just giving guys away. You remember when Nate Schmidt got traded to Vancouver for a third round pick and we were all like, Are you for real? That's mm-hmm. it. Little did we know that they would give up Marc-Andre Fleury fresh off winning the Vesna for nothing and then turn around and do it again the next oh, yes, year sir. with Max Pacioretty. I just, the level of incompetence because they had shiny toy syndrome, which is what led them to Max Pacioretty in the first place. Was It was just remarkable to watch where it was like, this is like if a team was run by HF boards. Like, it was tremendous to watch. And also a wonderful example of why that shit just does not work. Well, and then the other name that you you left out there, which it's not quite as big of a name, uh, but they had to give away Evgeny Dadanov for nothing. Yeah, I mean. Arguably their best player down the stretch. They had to give him just... twice. Yeah, they had to give him <laughs> twice. They mismanaged and, it. And again, like he's not as big of a name of player, but it's just the fact that they like that's now what four guys that you just listed that they literally just gave away for for nothing in return because and this isn't like contracts aging poorly. They just like can't ice a team. And so yeah, that one's a little bit different. But even well, then, like, like proving that Salo kept didn't exist for a minute. You give away Max Pacioretty so you can give Riley Smith three-year deal, and you're like, 
What are you, 18 months from giving Riley Smith away to the Minnesota Wild for future considerations? What the fuck are you doing? I I do want to get back to, to our point we were making about the aging curves of these players and, and that situation, because I wanted to get to Megan, um, because the three of us all lived that in the mid-2000s. I know you've lived through multiple failed rebuilds from the Avs, but I don't think you've really seen a team age out before. So I'm curious what your thoughts are there. That's a great point. Because what I was thinking as we were having this conversation is looking around the league, I still feel like the Avs have champagne problems because there are other teams that have an aging core right now and they're not really cup contenders. Like we were talking about this with the Islanders, that their core is going to be aging out here soon and they don't really have an answer for this. We talked about... I don't know if we talked, I'm so sorry. We didn't even, it's not exclusive to the Islanders though. You look at Pittsburgh, you look at Boston, they're kind of having to answer some of these same questions about players they've committed to well into the later prime of their careers and if that's going to pan out. And so it's a gamble that other teams are taking, but we've seen it have some success now. And so we don't know what comes next for the Avs in the future. And I guess because I've seen some of their worst hockey I'm in a similar boat where I'm okay with this for right now because I I don't really know what to expect. It It's in the hands of Mother Nature at this point as far as how these players are going to age. It's up to hockey it's not a Jesus. Problem. It's up to hockey Jesus. It's not a unique problem to the Avs. So what, Kill McCarr doesn't have enough on his plate? <laughs> he's going to carry. He's got to decide the fate of all these aging I cores, AJ. The, the rules are about bringing the Stanley Cup to space where he's from. Well, Based on Megan's one tweet, Kale McCart doesn't age, I guess. So, yeah. It, <laughs> and it honestly, is... <laughs> it's because I don't want him to age. It wasn't to, like, infantilize him. I know he's a baby-faced angel, but I just don't want Kale McCart to age. I don't want to think about that. I will Please, say, though, that... Can you hit up people on and be like, hey, I got the day with the cup. Can I borrow a jet or a rocket? Like, Yeah, I'm sure you could take, like, the space planes that, like... Yeah. Give you a little zero G. I don't know if they'd put it on an actual like rocket for you though. <laughs> Strap in Philip Pritchard. Sorry, AJ, I fully interrupted you for nothing. You're fine. It's 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 August, bro. <laughs> um I I do I will say though that some of those aging cores that you need, the Boston, Pittsburgh, Washingtons, worth. They got Stanley oh, Cups. Yeah. They're like, we're good. Now Boston having lost a, a game seven. That would have gotten them a second cup and really validated that as like a a great like a, one of their better cores of all time. I think is, um, you know, a disappointment for them. But like they were they were within a game of it, so no shame there. Um, those guys, you're talking about like franchise great players. There, it's it's the other teams. You know, it's you're looking at Dallas. And you're looking at Tyler Sagan is 30. He's all he's 30. Jamie, Jamie Ben is 33. And those guys are sucks now. Yeah, those guys are making $19 million combined between them. Joe Pavelski is 38. And like, are there some good young players in Rupe Hints and Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger and Miro Haskinen? Totally. There are some nice players there. But that is a team that was a bottom barrel playoff team a year ago. Has not gotten significantly better. Has gotten one year older. And you're talking about aging cores and you're like, ah, that is like your your like nightmare scenario. 
You're old. You're on the cusp of the playoffs, not a championship, the playoffs. And your your plan for cup contention seems to be prayer. So I guess we're back to hockey, Jesus. <laughs> it all comes so, back to hockey. Like that's that's what I think is like the fear is that you turn into Dallas, you turn into Vegas. Now Vegas had like the ideal start to a franchise, so it's like look, six years and it's hard to it's hard to like feel bad for them, but like they're facing a really really ugly reality here pretty soon. Yeah, um, and I would say it's not that far off. If a couple of things really don't go their way. But uh, they, I I mean, they they are going to be facing a pretty ugly reality here. As the rest of their division rises, they're going to be smashing into that concrete wall uh, of an aging curve. And what do they have to show for it? A a whole bunch of missed opportunities. I will say, I think uh, Dallas's plan is hope that Jake Ottinger is hockey Jesus. <laughs> he's Igor Shesterkin and yeah. sort of a nine fifty save percentage. Well, like even then, you mentioned San Jose earlier, and I think I think San Jose, Minnesota, just a few years ago, and they you know had to make well, a deal with hockey Satan to get out of it. Yeah, um, taking their know, lumps though. Right, you know, St. Louis was stuck in the dreaded middle for decades. And it's funny because Blues fans like dunk on people on Twitter for this. Like, oh, yeah, well, we into the playoffs 25 out of 26 years. We had nothing to show for it. What do you have? And then they finally win a fluke cup. So, you know, they kind of, they're, they're free. You know, they're out. But, like, with the Abs winning a cup, like you said, six weeks ago, right immediately, your worst case scenario is your Boston. Yeah. You win a cup, and now you're for bu- the next you're 10 Washington, years, too. Right, yeah. You know, oh no, you won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> your core gets close, conference final here. You know, Boston, you know, you mentioned they lost in game seven. They lost in six games, the lockout shortened year to Chicago on that brutal two goal swing in like 14 seconds or whatever it was. So, I mean, like, yeah. you got twice, you were within single digit wins of another Stanley Cup. Obviously, it's disappointing to come up short. But, like, that's a core that they've been relevant. They've been near the top of the East for over a decade. Several cup, uh, you know, cup runs. One I mean, win. they're three wins shy of being what we talk about as Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. That's, I mean, it, Boston feels fine. should feel fine. And, well, and messed up part was one of them was two Chicago's. So, like, they literally could have, like, snatched the, the, the crown right from their right. hands. Right, right. Uh, so, okay, we yeah, are Avs, aging curve, schmaging yep. curve. We are brought to you by Avaca TV, who have expanded their channel lineup. Of course, they still have your local channels, which you can get, but they now also have NFL Network and 60 entertainment channels, including news, movies, and more. So, a bunch of new stuff coming to Avaca TV. They also have, you know, the DNVR channel, which pretty cool just just throwing it out there if you have a vodka you can just flip us right on on your tv so be sure to go check that out it's just 25 dollars a month uh plus a five dollar receiver fee and you can get ten dollars off for the first three months when you go to avaca.tv slash colorado 10 that's evoca.tv slash colorado 10 to get 10 bucks off your first three months of avaca 
obviously you can turn in to tune in to all of your Colorado sports there, whether it's altitude, AT&T sports net, or of course, Broncos games nationally. So jump on it, join the Avaca TV train today. And then you have a TV you can sit in front of and sip a beer when you are watching whatever sport it is that you prefer. Make sure that beer is a Breckenridge brew, the official beer of DNVR. Uh, dozens of different flavors at this point. Every time I go to the liquor store, I'm like, oh, there's a new Breck brew flavor. I have ne- I've never seen that one before. Dope. I guess I will try that one. And they're always delicious. So you can't go wrong there. Um, they're in all of the lower 48 states. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to be in Colorado. You can get it just about anywhere. Go to your local liquor store. Find yourself some Breck brew. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, go on over to, I don't, I don't know the place. I, I promised I'd shout out the guy who sold Allie her car. So shout out that it's, guy. It's Toyota Mountain State. There you go. Paul, Paul from Toyota Mountain State. <laughs> so that guy, you know who you are. Shout out Toyota you. Paul. Told you watch every day. So much appreciated. Um, okay. So, Jesse had brought up this name a couple of times in, in maybe a potential trade target, something like that. Jesper Bratt signs a one-year, $5.45 million deal with New Jersey to avoid uh, arbitration. This makes no sense to me. This is the stupidest situation in the entire NHL. I don't understand. What the hell is New Jersey doing? Yeah. I, I don't get the one-year deal. Why why are you so reluctant to commit to a player who you drafted, developed, and has done nothing but excel and continue to get better in your current climate? What are you doing? Why aren't you rewarding this guy? What do they know that the rest of us do not about a guy who's only been on the up? I, I Legitimately, it makes me wonder, like, what is he doing away from the ice that has that organization so nervous? Because whatever their problem is, if it's on ice, what the fuck are they watching? Right. Yeah, this, I mean, this is a guy that whose name was floating out around the trade deadline this past season. And I, I remember, like, once you start digging into it, it's like, why are they interested in moving this guy? Uh, and again, you know, that was why I mentioned it, like you said, a week ago, two weeks ago, where... New Jersey doesn't seem to have much interest in someone who appears to be a very good player continuing to rise. What is he? 23, 24, uh, you know, young guy. And seriously, I mean, they, 24 last week. Uh, and, and I, I just don't get it. So, you know, like I'm sitting there and, and this is even more evidence of it. And again, this feels a little, Pulley Yarby ish, where it's like, did you just do this deal so you have the option to move him? Um, and to AJ's point, what is it that they're not seeing that we're seeing, or what is it that they are seeing that we are all not seeing? Because um, yeah. all indications are this is a very, very good player that they just don't really have interest in holding on to. Well, the and they. Sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. The similarities between the reluctance from each organization towards both these players, Pulley and Brat, is really curious to me. Like, Brat, he's above a half point per game every season in the NHL outside of his rookie season. 
good possession numbers, can play off wing, and he's so young, I don't understand what the reluctance would be surrounding him unless it is to build up for a trade and get some kind of assets in return to fill a positional need that they feel otherwise isn't being met. So the part that's weird to me, like with with Puyarvi, I get it. You know, obviously there were some weird conversations there before he really found his stride in the NHL in Edmonton. But with Brat, he's come in. You guys have already said it. He was an immediate impact player for them as a sixth round pick. So an absolute steal there. And then the part that I really don't understand is he fits their aging curve perfectly. He's a guy who should easily slot in next to Jack Hughes for the next six, seven years, if they wanted to keep him around for it. And they just don't seem to want to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really weird, like going the one year and I can understand being like, Hey, we, we want to lock this guy in long term, but we don't want to pay out the nose for a guy who just had by far a career year. But you think it's going to be cheaper next year to do it? Right. If he goes out and does it again, you think it's going to be any any better? Like I'm, I guess I'm just confused. Like this is a guy that's done everything for you, that has developed and done everything that you want. And look, there are two sides to it. If he doesn't want to, then that's one thing. But I just uh, like going to arbitration and slap fighting with the guy seems odd to me. Um, when all the re- for all the reasons that we've talked about the the aging curves, the uh, the core, he's like internally developed it. They just gave a huge contract to Andre Pilat. And it's like, you need to be adding Andre Pilat to these guys, not replacing them, especially because they have very few long-term commitments uh, outside of, uh, outside of like, Dougie Hamilton and Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. And I guess now Andre Pilat. Well, and again, like, this is a name that was floating around at trade deadline time. Like, this isn't a, oh, what are they doing now in the summer? And again... Don't know how serious it was, but there was kind of a conversation that they don't know if they'll be able to sign this kid. And to the points we were just making, I I just can't, like, I can't understand why. Ah, we just, we can't sign a 24-year-old 70-point getter. Like, what? Like, I I just, I just don't get it. And, and, uh, yeah, the relationship seems maybe soured. I can't imagine this helped. Um, he's an RFA after next year. So it's not like he's just going to walk, but I mean, like, yeah, this is a guy to me that again, using the pull ERV comp, like I'm now officially keeping an eye on Jesper Bratt because why else do this deal? If your goal isn't to move him at some point. And when you look at his underlying numbers, they get, they're getting better every year. Right. Right. He's, he's driving play at a higher level. He drove play at an obscene level last year. And defensively, uh, he was like league average last season. So, okay, you get a guy that's driving play at a really, really high level and he just dropped 70 points. Like, wow. This is a guy that when the Devils are not in the playoffs again next season, that at the deadline, like maybe more than JT Miller, this is a guy that you're looking at Colorado and being like, hey, 
that 2023 first sure is nice. Yep. And maybe that's a con- like that's this is like the highest end of that conversation I think when you're talking about potential rentals and looking ahead to teams that might actually be willing to move a guy. And uh, to, yeah, obviously with Brad, you have to have a whole conversation there of is it even a rental or are you looking at giving that guy seven million dollars the next year or something well and that's as, as jesse mentioned he's an rfa so it would be right. the lekkonen situation yep. that the abs were in this year where he's at the end of the rfa uh but you know you can retain him for another year so it's gonna cost it's it's gonna be a a, a pricey acquisition yeah but a, but a high-end one and the only real problem here with brat is uh and and colorado is where does he play you know, if if Rantanen is the guy that they move over uh, and he's their their answer at two seed, then there's an obvious answer there. He plays with Lekkinen, I guess, uh, and uh, on that wing on the uh, yep. the other wing there. You're like, great, awesome. Now we know. But they, would they really even have the money to to bring that guy back uh, at the the kind of price that he wants? I don't know. Yeah, I'd but, imagine it'd be tough. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money devoted to your top six when you do have a Bowen Byram contract coming up. You do, you are starting to have the Devon Taves con- conversation of, can you keep him? I think right now we're all kind of writing it off like, that's not going to happen. But, boy, you sure would like to find a way, right? Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I mean... This is just, it's a, it's a unique one, though, because, in my opinion... Again, like you're talking, it's part of what makes this situation so weird in New Jersey. You're talking about a 24 year old kid who just put up 70 points. Like, obviously, he's got to go out and do it again. The conversation we had earlier with Manjipani and Nachushkin and Kadri, how much of it was a product of the big scoring bump? If the scoring doesn't continue at the same pace this next year, uh, do his numbers fall off? But I mean, like, to me, you sit there and if, 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 if you were to bring a guy like this in, you're 100% right. It'd be tough to keep him. There's a lot to consider. But, like, you almost kind of reset that aging curve by, like, a year and a half, two years by adding a guy like that. So if it costs you a couple, a guy or two down lineup, again, you just deal with it. You deal with it as it comes, and you have a really, really, I mean, as good of a top six as you're going to find anywhere else. The problem is that it probably costs you new hook. Mm. Like it's your 2023 first and it's new hook. Like you're at that point. You don't it, have much else to get. I mean, if Jesper Bratt puts up another 70 point season and I love new hook, but mm-hmm. like, that's what you're hoping new hook is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right. And, and if Miko Rantanen can actually prove uh, he a center, yeah. you see there and he's fine. Like if those two, if those two really high end things take place, then maybe you are more more comfortable with moving on from a new hook at that point. Because is that is that the kind of deal that you would need to have in order to move on from new hook? Is a young player like a Jesper Brat, yep. who's had a couple of great years that can just drop into your lineup and be a high end player for you? There's no real projection. There's no real guesswork involved. You're just like this guy's a stud. Let him do his thing. That's that's because to me that's 
it's not JT Miller. I'm not I'm not trading for JT Miller, fam. I'm not I refuse. <laughs> uh now is a great time yeah. to remind everyone we are gonna get into some trade talk. We're gonna talk about rentals or possibly other trades on this show. It's August. Uh the trade deadline is <laughs> more than six months away. So See, what we did this time is we got to jump on all y'all because <laughs> usually it's our chat and it's the listeners that are like, "Hey guys, we want to. Uh, we're we're gonna immediately look forward to the next thing." Like I'm surprised we haven't gotten questions about the next expansion draft year, <laughs> but <laughs> but we decided we're getting the jump. We're we're getting ahead of this. And we're we're talking deadline before anybody asks about it. Yeah, <laughs> first four months of the season, we're just gonna point you guys to this show. That's how it works. No, I I did want to do this show because of our free agency talk. We've had a lot of free agency shows end up with maybe the Avs just don't do anything and address it in a trade later. Again, by the deadline, teams are going to be in it and out of it, and it's going to change the effect of of who's realistically available. But I did want to get some early potential targets from the Avs here. Um, I'm assuming all of you did your homework, brought me a couple names one way or another to take a look at. Uh, whoever wants to start, throw it a name. Yes, for Brad. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I put his name in the title, so you should have I was known. kidding. I was kidding. <laughs> I'll let somebody else go. I've been talking a lot. Megan, go ahead. So I feel like. I misunderstood the assignment only a little bit. I base trade targets based on like who um, avoided arbitration because there might be some leverage that they might be unhappy with their current situation and might be willing to move around the deadline. And things like where teams stand with the cap right now, like who might need to shed cap before this happens. Um, so anyways, I had Jesper Bratt as a trade target, but that feels like this answer was fed to me given the title and the graphic for the show and Pulley but we've been having the Pulley conversation too. Mm-hmm. It's so similar to the Jesper Bratt conversation, um, but Pulley has had a little bit more of a streaky last several seasons. Some of that has been interrupted by COVID and I see opportunity too with just the feelings I get of how he's valued in Edmonton, that this is someone that they'd like to move and receive assets in return. But we alluded to this with Newhook. I think the abs are kind of asset poor right now. The trades are going to be at the expense of something kind of big. So it has to be something they are in desperate need of positionally and not just because, oh, there's a great option out there. Um, so I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but my answers are bad and pull your not rambling enough. I feel like we've covered it a little bit as to the why. Um, but what I will say, and that I didn't really prepare a better answer for, is if we, or if we, if the Avs did go the route of having a winger be the option to start the season, someone like Jasper Bratt, um, they would still probably want a more long-term option for 2C. And that could be something that they're looking at more seriously around the deadline because they're not trying to make any brash decisions right now if there isn't a good 2C option, which is kind of where we're at with that. Um and so I don't know who that might be around March timeframe, but I think that's what they would need to be looking for just because um, Miko at 2C long-term concerns me. For the record, I was perfectly fine with normal trades too. 
didn't have to be rentals. Uh, but I love that I you brought up more questions. <laughs> I love that you brought up Brat and Puyu Yarvi together because I think there are some similarities to their situations there. But you look at the players and it's very different, right? Puyu Yarvi, you're looking at maybe not necessarily a reclamation product project, but that's a middle six guy compared to Brat, who's a hard top six guy at this point for you. Yeah. Um, so going forward, you know, Puyu Yarvi maybe a little bit more affordable, maybe fits, let's be honest, the guys the Avs have targeted over the last handful of years, the Lekkonens, who were playing in middle sixes, Val Nachushkin, who they targeted for a middle six role. And I know that was a free agency move, but they tend to find those guys in the middle a little bit more. Yeah, Burakovsky. Yeah, Burakovsky, exactly. Another Nazem Kadri was the 3C in Toronto when they, when they made that deal. I mean, they're basically just farming other teams' depth charts going... Which guy do you, uh, are you not valuing properly? Devon Taves is like the fourth guy for the Islanders. Like, Why do we need to develop people when we just have other teams do it for us and then we'll take them <laughs> off their hands once they can yeah. afford them? And then they'll get good, they'll be undervalued, and we'll trade you second and third round picks and make you feel like, hey, I got a pretty good return for this guy. We got something, yeah. That's what makes uh, it hard to think about new hook being moved because that would be an opportunity for the abs to demonstrate that they can develop a young player. And I'd like to see that through, but not at the expense of greater things. Yeah. I mean, see the, the, the key here is that everybody still thinks he's going to be good. So you got to move him before the jig is up before he gets, before he gets <laughs> see, exposed right. to the bum. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So before before everybody realizes that he's maxed out right now and he's just left-handed JT Comfer, oh. they've got to move him right now before everybody figures it out. I'm on top of the game. I got this. I went to the dentist hey, today. This a... is way worse torture than that. I'll bet you could have gotten a couple teams to give you more than you would expect for JT Comfer this summer after the play- playoffs he had. Yeah, probably a second or third round pick. <laughs> right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. And you got something. <laughs> you've um, got a, you're good. You've already got his replacement in-house. Yeah, you're good. Uh, so, uh, again, I, I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on – because I, I, I brought two names that are like, these are the two guys that – Hold you know, that thought then. I want to oh. get into your names, but we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. That was 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I'm flies. You're having fun. Am I right, friends? <laughs> Go over to DraftKings. Get in there. Use the DNVR code when you sign up for a new account. Uh, when you sign up for a new account, you can get your first bet matched up to $1,000 right now. So jump in on that. Your first bet. It's a total free roll. You get a total free roll on the first bet to jump in on it and, and try to hit something uh, with the crazy bet. It, you can go over there. You can bet on all sorts of craziness. I was betting on uh, the FIBA women's basketball tournament the other day. Uh, made some money on two South. I think it was Brazil and Colombia. Brazil took that one down handily. So. If you're looking for international competition, DraftKings pretty much has every single one at all times in every single sport. <laughs> Get in on that. Uh, also, when you go over there with DraftKings, you can do all sorts of bets like same game parlays, all sorts of action to get in on. You can follow their daily profit boosts. They have 
some of their boosts are like surprisingly good when they just their daily one is like, hey, 50% profit boost for any MLB bet today. It's like, all right, cool. Seems seems like free money to me. Uh, so go over there, jump on it. Use uh, use the DNVR code again when you sign up with DraftKings with a new account. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, Jesse, you're you're free to go. Thank you. Ah, finally. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, Pulley Arby, he's, he's the, the first name that I've got. And a lot of it has to do with what we just talked about in terms of the Avs don't have a ton of assets to play with. They've got the most valuable one, which is a 2023 first. Um. But, you know, we, we talked a lot about their prospects the other day. And to AJ's point, I know you're joking and, you know, being funny. So, but like, the jig is kind of up on Shane Bowers and Martin Kaut. Um, you know, Maltsev is maybe the one guy that you can sell, like, some upside on. Like, all those other guys, you know, you're not going to get, like, tremendous value for them because teams are going to look at you and be like, cool, why haven't they played for you then in four years, five years? And I look at a guy like Pulley Yarby and, and he just, he profiles so similar to, similarly to players at the abs pro scouting has dug out from around the league, free agency waivers, lower level trades who can come here to, to Colorado, to Jared Bednar's system and thrive with some very talented players playing next to him in a system that I think would suit the way he plays. Um, and to me, it's just kind of a low risk, high upside move. And, and if it doesn't pan out, you got a middle six guy for a year. Maybe you sign him, you know, maybe you bring him back for a year or two and you get some decent uh, middle six contribution. So I really like that move, whether it be now or at the trade deadline. I just think it's a, it's a piece that wouldn't cost you very much for a team that doesn't have much to pay. That's kind I mean, of what you're hoping for. What's uh what's the thing we've said on every show for the past month and a half? You don't want Alex Newhook to be JT Comfer? Give him some talent on that third right. line. Right. And and you know, there's a guy that he hasn't he hasn't scored the puck ultra consistently, but you know, he's he's an okay finisher in terms of what you're looking for on a third line guy. Um and then again, I I'm just gonna kind of keep pounding the table on this one especially around trade deadline time when the money is way, 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 way easier to make sense. You know, I just, you look at Chicago and, and you look at a guy like Patrick Kane. If you're really trying to cash in on this next five years, especially waiting till deadline time when the money's more manageable. Um, and then knowing that he can walk at the end of the season. If, if you can't bring him back, don't want to bring him back, whatever. Um, I just think that's a piece that since it looks, I, I would be surprised if Patrick Kane finishes the season as a Blackhawk. Um, since it's a guy that they seem motivated to move on from that old core, if you can bring in a, a player that skilled um, at the end of the year to add to a, a Stanley cup push right at the end of the year, I'm in. 
I, I want to get Megan's thoughts on Patrick Kane because she was kind of giving you the stink face a little bit. It was actually about Monahan in the chat. I'm so oh, sorry. Okay. I, okay. I was like, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not super high on Patrick Kane, but it's just for like silly girl reasons that I just I'm not sure Are about. Totally him. valid and reasonable as a human being. It but might be a horrific face, human being. Yeah. Yeah. My my face was actually Deshaun Monahan, so my apologies to Deshaun <laughs> Monahan. <laughs> It's, the thing with Sean Monahan is you don't you don't take the chance on him being a reclamation project when he's at six million dollars. You wait a year, you wait till he's in free agency, and then you give him a million dollars to see if okay now he's a reclamation project. Yeah, yeah, at that yeah, yeah, point, yeah. at that point, he's still a six million dollar guy that you're you're using a healthy chunk of your cap space at the deadline to like figure it out. Uh, that's that's not when you do that. You wait until that contract expires and he's a free free agent. Then yeah. you give him the Jared Cowan PTO and you just hope for best. So Megan did bring up a great point with Patrick Kane there too. And it's very, very easy to always think about players as strictly on ice and yep. what's going on there. And there's no doubt Patrick Kane is still elite. Every team would love to have him as a player on the ice, but yep. sometimes things aren't that simple. So yeah. most of you know, most hockey guys are, are great guys. So it's just like the Avs have such a good culture in the locker room. I want them to build on that, especially character wise. So if they just if there is a better option character ethically wise, I'd like them to lead into it. Yeah. I, I mean just for look sure. at Cogliano and how that worked out for them. Yeah, it's a good fit. Um as far as on the ice. I do think it would be an interesting look to go get Kane because you kind of end up with a whole lot of wingers, but you, you could have this conversation and and I'm AJ's going to immediately dunk on me and say, no, you put Patrick Kane with Nathan McKinnon. But I do wonder if you have a Miko Ranton and maybe struggling to drive play a little bit down the middle on your second line, Patrick Kane can drive the hell out of play up the wing for you. Yeah. Well, if that's the case trade for a fucking center. I I hear you, and I I would prefer a center to be honest with you. But if you go the Kane route, that's an option to make that situation work. Well, and you, I think in that situation, again, in that in that scenario that you just laid out, like I think, yeah, you're hundred percent right. You slide Landy down because he's so versatile. You slide him down to kind of give the support to Miko and allow Miko to do a little bit more creating. But I guess that's what's that's what's fun, and the reason that I bring up Patrick Kane, despite very valid off ice not liking him, a lot of people, um, is he just gives you on like so much versatility in that top six for the end of the season. There, you know, coming out of the trade deadline, the options for what you could do there, <laughs> even though you really only have one center. Um, it just, it gives you a lot of kind of mix and match combinations that if he's even, if he's still in Chicago, if, you know, around the trade deadline, they're willing to eat money. The cap numbers make, you know, makes it a little bit easier. Um, for, for eight weeks, why not? And then, and then you let him walk and you get to go and, you know, we feel better morally. You're doing your team a disservice if you're not looking at one of the best players in the league at his position, right? Just, just a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, all right. AJ, you got some more names for me? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I look at Vancouver and I wonder kind of what's going on there. Uh, and I just wonder, you know, are they any good? <laughs> because because uh, if, if, if they are good, it doesn't matter. They'll, they'll hang on to their guys and they'll do whatever. And, you know, JT, uh, JT Miller, everybody else that's a pending UFA, it just doesn't matter. Um, Miles Wood isn't actually any good. Um, so you should probably stop pounding the table for him. Um, the one guy that I would be curious about, though, uh, out of Vancouver, and I mean, I will also say, yeah, Luke Shen could be fun. Um, but uh, I would say I'm I'm curious what's going to happen with Bo Horvat. That was because because that's a guy that he's got one year left on his deal. He's 27 years old. Uh, he'll, he turns 28 uh, at the end of the regular season, and he's more he's more of like a two C ish type. Um, Vancouver's used him pretty heavily, like defensively. Uh, and and that's hurt some of the underlings, but they're still solid. Like they're okay. He's not special. He's not like a, an amazing player. But I think that that's a solid. Like that's a solid guy that they could probably pick up. Um, you know, again, it would be costly. That's a, that's a new hook. That's a first round pick, and then that's an expensive follow up contract. But that's also a guy that slides perfectly into your aging window. He turns 28 at the same time the Chushkin and Lekin and all your other guys turn 28. And then your top six really would truly be set. Like that's, and it's good to go. You've, you've got your six and then you're trying to figure out your entire bottom six from there uh, beyond Ben Myers and Logan O'Connor. You don't have a bottom six uh, locked in over uh, a number of years. So uh, that's, I think that's an interesting conversation that, um, you know, I I don't know what their appetite for moving him would be. I guess I would say if they were, if they were really out of the postseason race, what went wrong? Because if you look at that team on paper, you know, Demko, that's a good starting goaltender. Quinn Hughes, OEL, like their, their defense is okay. And then up forward between Pedersen, Besser, Horvat, Miller, and Garland, um, they made a pretty big investment in Mikheyev. They've got Kuzmenko coming over from the KHL this year. Pod Colson is a year older. You know, I, you're looking at it and you're like, are you really? Are, are you? If they miss, if they miss, something feels really wrong there. So I guess with Horvat, that's Horvat would be. Uh, I think I would have Horvat and and Pierre Luc Dubois as like my two guys. Where I'm saying, I'm trying to solve the two C yeah. conversation. I'm not trying to put a band aid on this thing because if I am, maybe that's more Joe Pavelski. Assuming the stars are out of it, because this year they were sort of ah, uh, they're on the tip, uh, they're right on that cusp of playoff contention, right, where and, they can't really sell. Yeah, yeah, and they were they were kind of in that, in that position of, you know, the, the, they were also talking to him about an extension. He liked it there. Um, cool. Like, okay. But if, if he's 38 and he's having another productive season, 
are they really just going to keep doing like, okay, we'll extend you with the deadline every year and play that game? So, uh, for me, like, I I wonder about da- how good Dallas will be, and uh, if Pavelski is a guy, then the, hey, that's a guy that makes a lot of sense, especially because if you trade for him, he can't play against you, which yeah, is yeah, the yeah. ultimate fear. So you, you know, you save yourself some goals against. Yeah, and and uh, so I would wonder. I think that's kind of where my list would start. Where I'm, I'm looking at, you know, another guy. I, I expect he gets an extension at some point this summer. But if he doesn't, like, and, and they don't, uh, they aren't in the playoff conversation. You know, you call up Detroit and you ask about Dylan Larkin as kind of your shooting for the moon, because his his speed would obviously be a picture perfect yeah. fit in Colorado. You put that guy next to Arturi Lekanen, Val Nachushkin, Gabe Landeskog, Nico Rant. Girl, please. Like that's so, a that's a team that you get out in open ice and not even Tampa Bay selling out is gonna stop you. So let me let me kind of throw something out there, get some opinions. Given what just happened with Johnny Gaudreau, and then immediately after uh Matthew Kachuk. And just kind of this new wave of player that we're seeing coming in, you know, younger, uh, not afraid to speak their mind, not afraid to speak up on behalf of themselves, on behalf of teammates. Um, Do you think that we maybe start seeing guys a little bit more often tell their team I'm not coming back. I'm not re-signing. I don't want to be here long-term. And, you know, when you mentioned Dylan Larkin, like I think about that, like, is there any chance that at some point this season we publicly see that Dylan Larkin is not going to re-sign, doesn't like where the Red Wings are, whatever, whatever. And I'm just using him as the example. Mm -hmm. Like, I do wonder if that starts to change around the league and it almost kind of like reshapes the way that deadlines go, go about happening, I guess is the right way to put that. I really he, thought Allie was about to yeah. drop some knowledge on Dylan too. Larkin there. I was like, what? I was like, oh, shit. Insider Allie here. Already knows that Dylan Larkin doesn't want to re-sign in Detroit. Um, but but it's just interesting because like you mentioned that about Joe Pavelski. And that was another one where right before the deadline they signed the extension, his name comes off the market. I just wonder if we may start seeing it go the other way. Maybe a guy you know whose name has been up in the air then goes to his team and is like, yeah, I'm not coming back. And they move him. Can I take a little bit more of a macro lens on this? Yeah. Um, so every every handful of years, this conversation comes up where they have a talk about the CBA and all of the players want to lower the UFA age. <laughs> and if you really if you really see a big push from players on something like that, I do think I don't think it will happen anytime soon. But I think you could see that age get down to twenty five. Uh, they which, would have to give up something astronomical. I, I, I understand. Like they would have to move to like a 90-game season. I, I understand that the owners absolutely will never, ever do that. And that's why I said I don't think it'll be anytime soon. But if you see all of these players Jesse is talking about, all these players who are, are actively talking out about these things and saying, I'm only going to play where I want to play, yeah. it could push that into the forefront and – make that a little bit more common with younger players not having to wait until they're 27 to 
to get away from some of these teams without having to go through the trade me route. Yeah. And, and again, it's just like you, 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 you look around the league and there does, there's more personality in the NHL today than there ever has been. And there's more guys who are willing to speak up on, like I said, speak up for themselves. Uh, like five years ago, would we have seen what just happened with Matthew Kachuk actually play out? Or is that something that the player would have done? You know, <laughs> what we've seen now, a couple teams do just take a one-year deal. Let me see how it goes. This is a great organization. Not saying anything about the fans, the city, the team. Oh. Now it's just like, I don't want to be here. I mean, I think, I don't know how much of that is players are changing because I think every generation you can find, yep. Yep. you know, going, even going back to Alexi Yashin, like, mm-hmm. like hardcore slap fighting with, the senators, you know, did we forget Mike Pekka held out an entire year because he didn't want to sign with the Islanders, right? Yeah. Or Islanders, Sabres, I don't remember which one he held out from and then ended up playing for the other one. Anyway, like, yeah, like O'Reilly, everybody knew Ryan O'Reilly wanted out, but the arbitration mechanism allowed them to get a deal and, you know, uh, a deal in place and then move on when he wasn't arbitration eligible, the guy signed an offer sheet, you know, like there were, there were, they were able to kind of extend that relationship that they knew the player wasn't happy with, but uh, like they, they, they're, I, I wonder how much of that is just, those were two guys who for their own reasons, didn't want to play in Calgary, two American guys that didn't want to play for the flames uh, for whatever for whatever their reasons were, you know, and it may have it may be total coincidence that they were both two Americans that didn't want to play for sure. a Canadian team. It may not be. We don't we don't really know because they're not going to come out and like dog Calgary, you know. They're not going to come out and be like, "Look, it's a shithole. I didn't want to be." Like they're not going to do that. They're not going to give <laughs> us an honest accounting of why they didn't want to be there. Um, but the reality is, is that they didn't. They didn't want to be there. And there's always a handful of players. Pierre-Luc Dubois, like, I'm, I bring him up. I I would also be mortified uh, uh, trading for that guy. Dude because, gave up in Columbus. Yeah. Well, because, like, he wanted out of he wanted out of Columbus, and now he, he's making overtures like he wants out of Winnipeg. Now, he had a pretty interesting presser where he was like, look, yeah. I'm just not sure that I want to commit a, my life long term to a place yet. He's like, people change their minds all the time, and I'm just not ready to make that kind of commitment. Like, fair enough, right? Yeah. Especially for a guy early in his 20s. Like, totally fair for him to feel that way. But that feels like a guy that either is angling to go to a specific place, and there's all the all the talk about Montreal and him wanting to be uh, with the Canadiens, or he just wants to test the open market and see what he can get, in which case you're just like, I don't really want to trade for that guy. But I I do think that there's a couple like I do think that there's always going to be a couple of those guys out there where you're like that's that's where doing your homework you know you talk to the guys you talk to the agents you talk to people that know them you just have to do your homework on a guy and say okay what's what's the likelihood that we could turn this into a long term relationship you know the Avs the Avs of the deadline this year you know there are people who are oh that guy's a rental never trade for rentals. Josh Manson, Andrew Cogliano, and Arturi Lekkinen all came back. Right, right. Now, Lekkinen was an RFA, so he was coming back no matter what. But that guy signed a five-year deal. Right. They are going by – the, by the time these deals expire, they will have gotten 10 NHL seasons out of 
their deadline moves this year. If they mm-hmm. like, if you if you do if 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 you do smart work and you you target the right kinds of kinds of guys and you under you understand what's happening uh, and, and what guys like what guys want and obviously winning the Stanley Cup is going to help. If they don't win the Stanley Cup, are all those guys like, "Woo, we got to come back. We got to run about. We got to play with this team forever." You know, it's going to be tougher. But they you just have to you just have to do your homework on guys. You kind of have to know what's up because some of these like the Kachuk thing, the writing's been on the wall for a long time. Goudreau was a little more complicated. Uh and now and now you you look, "Okay, who's the next guy to do that?" And it looks like it's Dubois. Um the, the I, agent, the comment by his agent was just go, like lending yeah. back to your Montreal thing. And I was like, that was dumb. <laughs> Why'd you say that? Uh, I do want to wind us down a little bit here as we are starting to run long. I did have one question for you guys. Theoretical world, Georgiev doesn't pan out. Bring Varley back. Jonathan Bernier's out there. Pick one of seven goalies from San Jose. Jonathan Quick, I think, is on an expiring deal. He is. So I would bring I would bring Varley back, man. I yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna say at the right. I'm just slip this in right at the end of our show. But that guy might have had the most underappreciated career of yeah. any player this entire generation. Not not underappreciated av or anything, just underappreciated career overall. I, I we when we were talking about we were uh, we did our show last week about your TDSP show, uh, AJ, where you guys gave all the best numbers. And we started with Varley, and that was the first thing I said. I was like, this guy is, in my opinion, easily the most underrated, underappreciated av ever. And you might be right. Like, he might be the most underappreciated, like, athlete. Are you talking Denver or just, like... No, I mean, like, like NHL player of, like, this generation, the last, like, 15 years or so. I, because I agree with all of those things. He's been he's been a starting goaltender for such a long time, and like he had he's Probably had a couple of Vesna. yeah, he's had a couple of like blah years. But you're talking about like those blah years are few and far between, uh, and that he almost always responds with a good year. And if you look at the fancy stats, like he's had a good he's had a good career that a lot of his goals saved uh, above average are driven by a couple of except exceptional seasons. But anyway, I wasn't I'm still mad. He lost to Jason Elam, the fucking kicker. Um, <laughs> it annoys me, but I, I'll just, you know, I'll move on. I'll let it go. Angrily live with it. Yeah. Kadri losing to Alfred Williams truly bothered me quite a bit more. <laughs> Megan, are you stabbing Jason Elam as well down there? <laughs> no. No, no. But I was going to add to the Varley praise that I was not always a goalie person, but it was actually Varley who made me feel very protective over goaltenders. So he was one of my favorites. All right. Love it. Uh, he, was, um, he was the only goalie that, when all that conversation was going on last year about do they need to go get a goalie, whatever, whatever, he was the only one that it's like, you want to go out and get Varley? Cool. I'm in. And same goes for this offseason. Obviously, they went out and they got Georgia. But, like, if they were going to make a move for, like, a solidified starter other than Kemper, for me, it was like, Varley, well, I'm not interested in any of the other options that are floating around out there. It, 
you know, the Varley conversation is interesting. The way I feel about it is the Avs are a very weird organization when it comes to goaltending, right? Because their first eight, nine years of their existence, they had the greatest goaltender ever. Um, and the Tough only, well, the only goalie they've had that I felt really came close to that level of ability was Varley. And now granted injuries derailed that. And there was some inconsistency with the ability to get there, but at his peak, really, it felt really more. shitty team in front of him more yeah, often than not. So. Yeah. But his best, it felt it felt like Patrick Wall, and obviously the longevity wasn't there or anything. But I'm just saying, at his absolute peak, yeah. he produced iconic moments in regular season games because he didn't really have a platform in the postseason to get yeah. it done. What sucks is that the raw reality is he blew that game seven. Uh, yeah. He didn't. He was nowhere near good enough in that game seven. He was really good in that series, just not in that game seven, and we'll never really. We'll really never get to know. I, I've totally derailed us, but that's all right. So, it's uh, whatever that, the that, show anyway. That game seven, I remember feeling so bad for him because he looked so physically exhausted. Yeah. Like he, he's like, I'm having a bad game because I can't hold myself up anymore. I made one, I failed this one game too out. many 50 save games. Yeah. Right, right. Like I've, I've, I've won so many games by myself. I, I just can't, like, I can't keep going. Yeah. He was spectacular that year, and through five games of that series, he was unbelievable, and then he just, like you said, he just ran out of gas. That's part of the reason why, like, again, I never wanted them to trade for a goalie last year. I didn't think it would have made any sense to. Yeah. But, like, I did play out that scenario in my head once. Like, how fun would it be if they traded for Varley – didn't you know? Didn't trust Kemper, and Varley gets to come back and win a Stanley Cup with the Ad. Like, ugh, I would have loved to see that guy win a cup as an Ab so much, just because he 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 loved being an Ab. And now something that I feel like people didn't appreciate enough with him was that he loved it here. Like, I remember him doing that interview after he left. He's like, I didn't want to leave, but they didn't have a contract for me, so yeah, you got to move on. You got to go do other things, but like. I just I, I thought he gave everything to the organization, everything to the community, uh, and it was it was a real shame that he never uh, didn't get the chance for glory here. So yeah, if it doesn't pan out with Georgiev, sign me up for Varley all day long. All right, uh, we are going to get out of here for today. Just things to keep in mind going forward. World Junior starts in six days, so if you're desperate to watch some hockey, that's going to be an option for you. Uh, I'm sure we'll have something here and there about WJC's uh, two abs. We believe two abs. We're hoping are going to go there. I don't think USA has announced their official roster. Yet. I, I, I have to. Yeah, Oscar confirmed. Yeah, we've known for a while Olsen was going to go for Sweden. Yeah, um, Barons was a little, but Barons is going to end up being a huge player on that team. He's making the team. Agreed. I refuse. <laughs> so on that note we're out of here for the day uh of course keep your eyes peeled i know we got uh, a number of different things in the works for the next couple of weeks so written video content should be coming out there for you uh but yeah until the next one we'll talk to you later